Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, November 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The last best chance for keeping the Chiefs from a seventh straight AFC West title happens on Sunday Night Football when Kansas City visits the LA Chargers. The Chiefs hold a two-game lead over LA and have beaten the Chargers already. Win this one, and only an epic collapse would prevent the Chiefs from taking the division. But there are some concerns. Three Chiefs wide receivers have missed practice time this week with injuries, and on today's show, beat writer Herbie Teofi tells us why to pay close attention to Juju Smith-Schuster's progress. Also, beat writer Jesse Newell shares his thoughts on the emergence of new wide receiver Kadarius Toney, and we discuss the role changes at running back, especially as it pertains to Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Isaiah Pacheco. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Okay, let's get started. Hey, good morning from still chilly Kansas City, and you're on Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs with the person in the media who knows him best. <laughs> and today that's Herbie Teope. We've got some uh, we've got some absentees today, but uh, maybe one or two will join us a little bit later in the show with conflicts. How are you doing, Herbie? I'm doing well, thanks, Blair. How about yourself, man? I'm doing okay. Um, it is. Uh, it's good to see you, and it's uh, it's good to have everybody along uh, talking Chiefs with us. Um, the Chiefs have the uh, the L.A. Chargers on Sunday Night Football, second night, second week in a row for the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. So, um, little prime time exposure for Justin Herbert and the crew. Um, Herbie, we we all often start with an injury report, and we'll do that today because it really is significant uh, for both teams. Um, but let's start with the one that we like to talk about, and, and that is the Chiefs. And it is especially um, significant at one position for one position group, and that is the wide receiver. So what's the latest on what's going on with the Chiefs wide receivers? Yeah, there's three of them who did not practice on Wednesday. Marquez Valdez-Scantlin is dealing with an illness. McCole Hardman, who did not play in week 10 with the abdomen illness, missed another day. So that's four straight practices he didn't work. The big one, obviously, is Juju Smith-Schuster, who remains in the concussion protocol. Uh, I, I think if when you look at this game, this might be a stretch. This, this could be because he has to pass a five-step process. So he didn't practice yesterday, and, and some of the stuff that – is involved in this is limited activity, aerobic exercise, football-related activities, and then full practice, and then he has to be cleared. And, you know, trying to get that done before Sunday, I think is going to be a stretch for the Chiefs. But it's like you had three wide receivers who didn't practice on Wednesday. The one to really worry about is Juju Smith-Schuster. I think uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, depending on if he's on the practice field on Thursday and Friday, should be good. Okay, Jesse Newell's joined us. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Oh, hey, good. I'll unmute myself. Uh, this is 2022 <laughs> now. I have had enough experience on Zoom calls. I should be able to handle this, you know? <laughs> We're counting on it. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, so, Herbie, what, what um, <clears throat> if the Chiefs do come up short uh, at wide receiver this week, and it's uh, and they're at uh, Justin Watson, Kadarius Toney, and Sky Moore, what let's just say that and, and MVS isn't available uh, along with Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman. What, what would the Chiefs do? Sounds like a you know break glass in case of emergency situation. 
what would the Chiefs do for depth at wide receiver? We have Marcus Kemp currently on the practice squad. You also have second-year pro Cornell Powell, and they have another wide receiver on the practice squad, but I don't think they're going to elevate him. The only ones that make really good sense there would be Marcus Kemp because you need someone on special teams. That said, you might see a lot more uh, 13 personnel packages out of the Chiefs. You know, you have Jody Fortson there, and you, a converted wide receiver. So if in an emergency pinch, if you need that fifth wide receiver, he's someone you could probably rely on, but – you know, in the perfect world, they don't have to deal with this scenario. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling probably back. Uh, yeah. But like I said, Juju Smith-Schuster is the one. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking when knowing how the concussion protocol works, that's going to be uh, – they're going to be really pressed for time to try to get him cleared before Sunday. And maybe Jesse some more snaps for Sky Moore. Um, seems like every every week there's another reason why Sky Moore is not you – know, not, not more involved in the offense. And of course the, the, the latest reason would be the emergence of the newcomer, Kadarius Tony, but um, yeah, it might be some distrib interesting distribution of, uh, of snaps for the wide receiver group. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, I mentioned this last week, I think Sky Moore, I was most worried about him last week where the chiefs manufactured touches for Darius Tony and Sky Moore was not contributing that much. And then Darius Tony came through with a 90 yard performance last week as well. Uh, Sky Moore was in for a lot of routes. I just, it feels like at this point, Justin Watson's kind of their security blanket. You know, he ran a lot of the different routes that uh, Juju would have ran in that particular, in that previous game. We saw earlier in the first Chargers game that when uh, McCall Hardman came out with injury, that, that Justin Watson was the one that came in and ran his route on that particular play. So I don't think that uh, Justin Watson gives them the highest upside of all the receivers, but I feel like he has really good chemistry with Patrick Mahomes and they seem to trust him quite a bit with the offense. So if you're looking for a guy who might get more snaps, uh, comparatively, it's probably Justin Watson. But, yeah, another week for Sky Moore to show he can contribute. Obviously, Kadarius Tony has taken away his punt returning duties, which is probably good for everybody involved. So Sky Moore can now focus on the offense. I, I still have high hopes for him in the future. Uh, it doesn't have to be a linear process. Sometimes you can kind of take jumps as the season goes along. But, yeah, it's time for him to show a little bit more than he has recently and to gain some chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen some routes from him lately where he's gone a certain way, and Patrick Mahomes has kind of told him he – wanted him to go a different way. So uh, gaining that chemistry, gaining that confidence, it seems pretty important for him at this moment, and he might get more snaps here against the Chargers. Maybe that can get him going. I want to get into uh, Kadarius Tony with you, uh, Jesse, in a little while, a little bit deeper, because uh, it, re it really has been an, uh, a really interesting couple of weeks on the team for uh, for Tony and his contributions. And I know he was a subject of, of your breakdown this week uh, uh, that was, was really interesting. But – uh, but a couple other things I want to get to first, and, and hurry, Chargers, their annual injury um, fest, it, it's unbelievable with this. I, I don't know if another franchise deals with injuries on a regular basis, more on a more regular basis than the L.A. Chargers. Um, it looks like, but it looks like they're going to get a couple of their guys back this week. Yeah, the Chargers are, when, when you look at them historically over the last five, six seasons, that's probably the most snake-bit team in the NFL. And it's not just two backups. It's their primary guys. I, you know, Bosa still hasn't uh, – he's still out. But, you know, they're looking – maybe they'll have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams back on the field at the same time. They put in a limited practice on Wednesday. And I know Coach uh, Brandon Staley told the Chargers reporters it was just individual position drills. So – Maybe they're going to try to ramp them up slowly before Sunday. But as we've looked at the Chiefs this season, 
teams that have been hurt, they seem to get healthy <laughs> right in time to play the Chiefs. But Keenan Allen, that's a hamstring injury. Mike Williams is an ankle injury. I and, mean, you know, those those injuries, if you, if you push them too fast, you're going to hurt them down the road. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, but they're down a couple of defensive linemen now, too. Um, that's where they're really hurting it on the defensive line. I think they ended last week's game against the 49ers with three healthy defensive interior defensive linemen. So um, they, they have and, – and, and Bose is not um, – he's on IR. Um, I, I don't know uh, – I don't know if he's – when he's going to be back, but it ain't going to be this week. And um, uh, there are um, all kinds of issues with the, with the L.A. Chargers – Nevertheless, this is a five and four team, two games behind the Chiefs. Chiefs have already beaten LA uh, earlier this season in the what I'll call the the, the Jalen Watson game, uh, where he had the interception return the length of the field for um, for the for the biggest play of the game. But really, the um, uh, I, I kind of look at this game as sort of the last gasp stand for uh for the Chiefs not to win the AFC West and for for them not to win their seventh straight division title uh the Chargers are going to have to win on Sunday night um if the Chiefs come out of there with another victory which would be their which would be their ninth in a row on the road against the Chargers if the Chiefs end up coming out of there with a victory three game lead would have swept the Chargers and the and the Raiders and the Broncos you know are determined not to be a factor in, you know, in the league race this year. Um, this is it, isn't it, Herbie? It's it's clean, clear sailing for the Chiefs if, if they w- get a win down there. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see them not winning the AFC West at this point. I mean, they do have a Sunday night football game in December against the Broncos, but that's a game they should easily win given what we've seen out of the Broncos this season. And then obviously the season finale against the, the Los Angeles Raiders or excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders, but the Raiders have shown absolutely no signs of life this season. They're up, they're down, they're all over the map. And this is, you know, it's funny because during the offseason, we looked at how the AFC West loaded up and, you know, a lot of big names coming into this division to face the Chiefs. And none of those teams have really lived up to their billing with the exception of the Chiefs. And it's funny because, you know, the Chargers, the consistently uh, AFC West offseason champion. <laughs> you know, it, right. it just hasn't materialized. No, not, not yet. Again, there's still a, there's still an opportunity for the Chargers, but they have to win and then need the Chiefs to stumble down the stretch and the Chargers would have to continue to, um, to, to play well. Uh, I think the Chargers have actually been fortunate this year to, to be five and four. They got to win at Cleveland with uh, when the Browns missed a field goal uh, at the end. So, uh, they, they haven't played the and, – and, and the difficult half of the Chargers' schedule is, is now. The first half was the easy half for, for L.A. So, um, so and as I mentioned, nine uh, – eight, eight straight wins for the Chiefs as the visitors. Now, it's, it's crazy, right? Uh, being a visitors, uh, visiting team against the Chargers means having played in San Diego, Mexico City, Carson, California, and now SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. So it's not like the the Chargers have had a you know a permanent home to uh, to to play in. But let me I got a little trivia question for you. See if you can uh, see if you can get this. The last Chiefs quarterback who was the, the last Chiefs quarterback to lose to the Chargers on the road. 
So the year was 2013. That might give you a hint. Um, and I'll let you think about that. I'll let you think about that a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and while we think about that, I want to get into running backs as well. And uh, interesting developments has Herbie nailed it. Nailed it, Herbie. Good job. The quarterback was Chase Daniel. That was the uh, that was Andy Reid's first year in Kansas City, and they had already clinched their playoff position. So Andy Reid played his backups. I remember Nile Davis started at running back that that sunny afternoon in San Diego, and the Chiefs almost won that game. They missed a field goal at the end of regulation that would have won it. Ended up losing it overtime, and I think the Chargers needed to win it to get into the playoffs that year. So it was um, uh, interesting. Chase Daniel was the the starter and the losing pitcher for the Chiefs that day. Um, okay, hey, thoughts on the running backs here? Um, it, it, I, I I thought it was you know Andy Reid said it was just a matter of circumstance that Isaiah Pacheco got all those carries uh, and had all that playing time, all those snaps and. It just didn't work out in the rotation with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Are we buying that, Jesse? No. (laughs) Um, In a a word, no. No. So Andy Reid, I give him credit for this. Like The last thing he wants to do is make waves when he talks to the media, when he talks to reporters. He just does not want to be a story topic. You know, he doesn't want to – when he's asked about former players, he's complimentary. When he's asked about other teams, he's complimentary. I mean, he's just sort of – perfected this at this time to, to like not stir up the waters. You know what I mean? So right now you have a guy in Clyde Edwards-Alaire who has been used to being the starter, who's a former first round pick who obviously got demoted this past game and you just don't want to disrupt the waters. So I think you say what Andy Reid said, which is, Hey, that's how the game played out. Still need Clyde. Obviously this team is still an injury away from having Clyde as uh, potentially its primary back and Jarek McKinnon still being its third down back. So you try to massage these things. You try to do that. But I think you saw pretty clearly that Isaiah Pacheco gave this team more juice last game. And so I think he's going to have an opportunity to go in there and uh, prove that he's not the back because he ran with better vision. He ran with physicality. He obviously had the fumble, which was super costly. We can't overlook the fumble. I mean, it was like a negative six-point play when he lost that fumble in the red zone. So that is a big deal. And if fumbles continue to be an issue, it will be a big deal. They will most likely go back to Clyde edwards Uh, But right now, it just – it's a matter of first, I think. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been really good for the Chiefs in the passing game. He's not as reliable as a uh, pass blocker. That's why we see McKinnon there a lot, I think. And uh, as far as our runner goes, even if you know where you're supposed to go, I think Isaiah Pacheco is giving them more uh, speed, more impact, more physicality, and has brought more life and energy to the offensive line by running behind them and getting extra yards by being physical. So I think that this is Pacheco's job to lose at this point, but I think Andy Reid, as probably a good coach would do, is trying to massage this as best as he can with Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, and trying to make sure that they don't lose him because in a very important this game this year, they might still need him uh, in there to be able to make a huge impact. So Herbie Moore Pacheco, uh, is, that the, is that the forecast? Well, yeah, and this this game here on Sunday sets up very well for him. The Chargers ranked 30th against the run, allowing almost 147 yards on the ground per game to the opponent. So if they want to pound the ball, you know, for all you fantasy people out there, I think this is a perfect game to start Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, And, you know, for for veteran Chiefs watchers who um, – you know, who, who, stu- who have studied the chief, Chiefsology, Andy Reidology over the years. You know, Jesse, you brought up a good point. He survived fumbling. 
not only did he survive it, but uh, when the uh, when the Chiefs got the ball back, the first attempt went to Isaiah Pacheco, and I thought that was interesting, and it was mindful. And I should have thought about this at the time. It was mindful of the uh, the occasion in 2017, the first year of Kareem Hunt, who in the opening game at the New England Patriots, one of those Thursday night football games because the Patriots had won the Super Bowl the previous year, um, Kareem Hunt fumbled on his very first attempt as an NFL player, fumbled it away. And when the Chiefs got the ball back, he got the ball that first snap. So it's weird how this is. You know, um, there have been other players who have had a fumble or two and they they don't get that favored nation status. I mean, it's, uh, um, uh, you know, I can think of LaShawn McCoy losing a big fumble against the Colts about four or five years. The year the, year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And that was kind of it for him. So I, I guess it, it, it there's more factors that go into it uh, when you lose a fumble for the Chiefs. But uh, it is absolutely um, frowned upon, to put it mildly, losing, you know, lo- losing a fumble. But if you're part of the game plan, that doesn't seem to change for, for the Chiefs. If you fumble, you, you, you get a second chance. So I, I thought that was a good point that you made. Yeah, they've been high on him since training camp. I mean, I know Sam has come in here sometimes that he hasn't seen it. He doesn't understand potentially it, but... we've talked about this point before, but every national reporter who made their way through St. Joseph, one of their five things to watch or five things to know about the chiefs was like, they love this kid seventh round pick Isaiah Pacheco. So, you know, Clyde had every opportunity to win the job, keep the job. He was their number one back to start off the season. He was getting all uh, most of the first string, first rep carries, all those sorts of things. But um, you know, right or wrong, it just, the, the juice just isn't there. And I think you see a different mentality and, you know, these are as much as my, cold heart uh here wants to just talk about the numbers and the statistics and the analytics and at black and white I-, I think you see guys feed off of isaiah pacheco's energy you know you see him on the sidelines when the defense is out there and he's trying to pump up the crowd you see him after runs kind of hopping up and and pumping to the crowd and you know moving forward and i think when you see him also break tackles we saw this on the last run uh that third and four where he pushes past a couple guys he puts his shoulders down he bounces off guys gets extra yardage I think offensive linemen see that and then they want to block harder for him. So part of this is just a little bit of the psychology of the game too. And I think right now that Isaiah Pacheco is giving them more of that part and going back all the way to St. Joseph where I was Mr. Ronald Jones, I just thought from, from, from the very beginning, the chiefs could use a back who, if, if it's blocked for four yards, they get six. If it's blocked for three yards, they get five. If it's blocked for five yards, you get eight. And too many times they weren't getting that early in the season now with Pacheco, especially this last game, it seemed like that's what was happening. And so those things can kind of feed off each other. I think we saw that last game with Pacheco, and I think that's why he'll get the first opportunity again coming up this Sunday against the Chargers. So when you think about the the, the position group, there seems to be a role, uh, kind of a, a easily identifiable role for two of them. For Pacheco, it is um, you know what you know what you suggested the energy giver the you know the, the guy who runs with a little bit of attitude and anger and, uh, and and gets extra yards because of that I think and can move a pile a little bit and with Jarek McKinnon my gosh just go you know search around on on social media and look for the the, the, the clip of him blocking two players uh, in pass pro on against the Jaguars on Sunday it, it is a marvel the the, the pass protection uh, ability of, of Jarek McKinnon. And of course, I think he's the best slip screen guy too. The guy that 
to uh, execute the chip block and then slip out and catch the screen and, um, and and pick up and follow his blocking. I think he does that. He's a veteran, and that's I think that comes from being a you know a, just a veteran player. So that leaves a third running back whose role I'm trying to you know come to terms with right now, and I can't. I don't know what it is for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, he, he's not as good in the, you know, in the receiving game as McKinnon. He doesn't run as hard as Pacheco. And so um, and I, I think Andy Reid can say what he needs to say and, and, and you know, keep everybody happy, try to keep everybody happy. But I'm just not sure what the role is for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, it's something underrated. You talked about Blair, which was Jerick McKinnon led the Chiefs in targets last game. He had eight of them. So um, you talk about their trust in him in the past game. Uh, that was something that obviously they showed. And uh, Patrick Mahomes not only trusts him in, in the passing game, but also trusts him with some of the pass protections that he spoke about yesterday as well with that viral clip that uh, Patrick Mahomes shared on his social media accounts too. I, I, I will push back a little bit, Blair. I think that Clyde Rodelaire is better in the pass game than Jerick McKinnon is. Uh, he runs really good routes. We've seen a couple of those angle routes. They call them Texas routes where you go out, kind of fake the guy out, and then come back in. He's made some big plays on that this year. I think he's better at that than McKinnon. I think he gives them more juice, better routes, better uh, footwork than McKinnon does. I just think that they think McKinnon is reliable. You know what I mean? Like they know what they're going to get in pass protection from McKinnon. So it makes him a perfect third down back. It makes him a perfect two-minute drill sort of guy for them where you just leave him on the field. You know what you're going to get. And your whole passing playbook is opened up because he can either block or he can go out and catch. I don't think they feel that same way about Clyde or Clyde Edwards-Alaire, at least at this point. So – yeah, you're sort of searching here to find a way to to get Clyde there. I think so much to me of football, we talked about how the Chargers just deal with all these injuries. You know, it's it's maintaining death. I, I, this is, you know, Pacheco's on the injury report this week for quad, I think it is. Um, everybody gets banged yeah. up. It's a violent sport. So I, I think there is a part of this. If you're Andy Reid and the Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is better than a replacement level back. I mean, I, I, and he knows the system. He's been around. You have to try to keep him engaged because who knows who's going to win the playoff game for you. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with Ronald Jones. I mean, Pacheco, he runs so hard. He can get injured at any moment. And so uh, the Chiefs need to try to keep those guys engaged, keep them going. But uh, to your point, what does he do better? I, I think he's a better pass catcher than anybody else in the backfield, but that doesn't lend itself well to playing time at this particular moment. That doesn't mean that one snap away – he could be the Chiefs' best back in those first and second down situations if Isaiah Pacheco goes down. So I think you sort of, again, keep him engaged, keep him going, try to keep him upbeat because there is a moment in this season, very likely, that they'll need Clyde Orgelaire to step up for them and be the type of back that Isaiah Pacheco is, is for them right now. Another chapter of, of uh, Chiefsology or Randy Reedology is the use of a newcomer at wide receiver. Um, all everybody kept waiting for Josh Gordon to contribute in a in, in a big way when the Chiefs acquired him, and it just never happened. He got into the end zone one time on one of those wide receiver um, you know, screens, right? Uh, and, and that was it from one I think from one yard, and, th and that was it for his uh, scoring. And, and there was never uh, never a highlight real play. Never just we just kept waiting because of you know what he had done in the past. Well, Kadarius Tony in two games has, especially in game two, has really emerged as a as a threat, and we're not we're not waiting on um, we're not waiting on it. It's here, and after watching what happened on Sunday against the Jags, I think 
um, he's just going to be more and more involved in things, especially if this um, if the injury situation for the Chiefs doesn't improve much during the week. He's going to get snaps, and he absolutely brings an element to uh, to the Chiefs that they you know they they had a little bit in, in McCole Hardman, no doubt about it. The the jet sweep, the you know the pop pass, that type of uh, you know uh, going you know going horizontal, but. Um, but what I saw from him, just every time he touched the ball, uh, the, the if, it, if, if it wasn't an electric play, the opportunity for an electric play was there. And you got to break him down earlier this week. What did you see? Yeah, so I I was surprised by how much he played because of what you talked about, which is it's so hard uh, to play receiver for Andy Reid. You know, you learn all the different positions. You learn all the different routes. So the first week was pretty obvious. They kind of – had a package for Kadarius Tony, like, hey, you're going to learn this and this and this, and this is what you can be in there for. The second week, we saw him play different positions. We saw him run different routes, all those sorts of things. But the, the main strength he has is what you mentioned, Blair. Like, in short spaces, what he can do, you know, they always talk about making you miss in a phone booth. Like, we saw that run down the sideline where he uh, shook free from one guy who was standing there in the flat. I mean, that's a zone defender in the flat waiting for Kadarius Tony. He shakes by him. Like the big play, that's all Kadarius Tony. He shakes by him, spins by another guy. Like there's ability to make guys miss. We saw the jerk route in the first week uh, is what it's called, where he fakes, he goes upfield, he fakes outside and then cuts back inside and uh, made the Tennessee defender fall down. Those are the sorts of things. We know Kadarius Tony's good at that stuff. Like that's what he brings. He brings that sort of life, that, that fidgetiness, like that sort of McCole Hardman uh, level and maybe even a step above that, ability to make guys miss in space. I think what we didn't know, and Travis Kelsey talked about this in his podcast this week with his brother on New Heights. Uh, I think it's the number one podcast in the in the world when it comes to sports. So and they're obviously doing a good job with that. But the one route he ran, the last one where he goes slant and go, uh, the one where the the defender interfered with him, and now it's kind of viral. He shows him he's adjusting his gloves as he goes up. But the ball skills he shows for a smaller player to go up above and what they call moss somebody, you know, Randy Moss go over, up over a defender and catch it. <laughs> Um, that's what we didn't know. And so going this breakdown with Brett Tabo, the guy I do with there every week, a longtime offensive coordinator, you know, we're talking about these plays and we're talking about, Hey, Tony has this ability to make guys miss. He's really a uh, quick twitch, all these sorts of things. Like, okay, these are things we know about. And we get to this play and Brett's like, Hey, this is what we didn't know about it. You know what I mean? This is what we didn't understand. And this is like, take a deep breath. I didn't even want to really say this, but you kind of have to bring it up. Like, on that one play, he looked like Tyreek Hill. Like that is what Tyreek Hill, that's what Tyreek Hill brought to the Chiefs when maybe you thought he was a gadget player out of the sixth round. And all of a sudden he has these ball skills. He goes and gets and gets the ball. So if he shows more of that, uh yeah, that's that's big time for the Chiefs. You're talking about a guy on a rookie contract they have for three more years of control, potentially four more years of control. Uh wow. Uh that's again the the, the first part of that, the 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 good version of McCole Hardman is really good for the Chiefs. The second part of that, uh, yeah, the, the rest of the league might, you know, really wish that they wouldn't have let the Chiefs get this guy if, if he's showing that sort of thing. But it's a credit to him, credit to the Chiefs, and credit probably to the organization that you take a guy who they could not get on the field for the Giants who are desperate for receivers, and he comes in with the Chiefs in two weeks. He looks fully healthy and looks like he's bought into uh, the team wide ways. And kind of reminds me of the Dodgers a little bit. It seems like the Dodgers turn every pumpkin into, you know, uh, a, a crystal ball when it, or, a, you know, a shiny diamond. When it comes to pitching, the Chiefs turned this guy who would not get on the field for the Giants, and it sure seems like he's going to be a major impact player for them down the line. Fun to watch. 
no doubt about it. How about it? Let's do a quick. We haven't talked anything about the defense. It's all about wide receivers and, and running backs. Let's quickly um, give a shout out to one Colin Saunders. What a what a, what a nice game he had Sunday, and just a nice stretch for him. Kind of been waiting for this ever since we saw, ever since the Chiefs drafted him, and uh, and fans were sold on his athleticism. Came from a small school, right, uh, uh, an FCS school, and the Chiefs had just been through that with Tano um, uh, Passanio, who went to Villanova but never really emerged for the Chiefs. Still in the NFL, but just kind of never emerged for the Chiefs. And Colin Saunders, coming from a small school, plays inside, of course, uh, where Tano was outside, but. Uh, but really you know, got a sack and moves really well. And against, um, you know, maybe it was at the, 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 the Tennessee running game that, uh, that prompted changes for the Chiefs. But at any rate, he's playing more and looking really good. Yeah, he is. And uh, we talked about this. This is not a guy we talked about much in training camp at all. Uh, so he's emerged over time. And Frankly, the Chiefs have had to have him emerge. Um, that interior spot next to Chris Jones, it's been kind of a mess this year. You know, Derek Noddy has been, just being frank, one of the biggest disappointments for the Chiefs on defense yep. this year based off what we've seen from him earlier. Taylor Stallworth has gotten limited snaps and been, frankly, pretty unproductive with those limited snaps. We've seen George Karloftis go inside, kick inside on third-down scenarios, which has allowed Chris Jones to get outside. But as far as a run-stopping defender and a pass rusher frankly next to chris jones on the inside who is always mostly going to get single coverage that answer has been colin saunders and so we talk about depth and you know how good teams can overcome injuries that is still a spot where uh, the chiefs are pretty lucky and pretty happy right now with colin saunders and if he goes down i think they'd be pretty worried because uh, that's been the one guy who's been a run stuff in the middle and the one guy who's shown some production from the pass rush side as well when they've kept Chris Jones on the inside. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, man, it, if Derek Noddy started playing a little bit better, I'd feel a lot better about this interior. But when he hasn't, Colin Saunders has moved himself into that starting role. So he deserves credit for uh, being the leader of what he calls Stuff Nation this week. He says the, the run defense is up to him, and he's done a great job, a better job of anchoring than anybody else on the defensive line outside of uh, Chris Jones. So he deserves a lot of credit. He's played really great this last couple of weeks. It's great to see it too. He's a big personality guy and uh, great to talk to after games. Okay, you're our official prediction uh, guy for the star. Um, I, I don't know if you've made it yet, uh, but give, share us share with us a way you're kind of leaning for Chiefs Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I, it is due later today, so I've kind of I just got on with the radio here uh, at eight ten, so kind of held off on the official one. And I, I think I'm probably leaning. Chiefs win, but not by much. But it, it, there's so many factors here at play. Like, again, you think about, oh, all these guys are coming back for the Chargers, but how good are they going to be? I mean, it reminds me of the 49ers game where, like, Traverius Ward rushed himself back and looked nothing like himself that he's been the rest of the season, which has been really, really good, and the Chiefs burned him a couple times. So these guys coming back, how much of an impact does it make? I don't know because how good are they going to play is the real question. I know uh, the Chargers have been playing with receivers that they basically pulled off the street here the last few weeks. So it can't be worse than that probably, but how much better will it be? I don't know. I mean, Justin Herbert's become checked down Brown with those guys. I mean, he doesn't trust his protection. He throws short passes and he's been really accurate, but you know, how much can you dink and dunk your way to success against the chiefs? That's a, a question that remains. So I'm thinking probably the Chargers will lose this one, but probably be closer than what Vegas says. But 
like you said, Blair, I was looking up the numbers. Greater than 99% chance the Chiefs win the AFC West if they beat the Chargers. It's 98%. If they tie, it's 88% if they lose. So uh, wrap this thing up. It is totally dunsky if uh, the Chiefs are able to win this week. And if they're able to get out of there with a close win, I'm sure everybody uh, would take that, even if it might be a little bit closer than uh, fans would anticipate or Vegas anticipates or maybe a little bit closer down the stretch than people would want. Yeah, Chiefs win and it becomes uh, the the race for the overall number one seed in, in the AFC, which they have right now. Um, but but a loss to the Chargers, and if the Bills win, well, we'll see. I mean, we'll have to see. The Bills just own the tiebreaker. The Bills are right now third in the AFC East behind the Dolphins and the and the Jets because of those tiebreakers. But that'll do it for today. Thanks to George Howard for producing today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC production crew of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 48 pages today full of news, features, and results. It's America's top digital sports page. I'm convinced of it. See what I mean by going to liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.